Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. scriptures together tonight from Nehemiah chapter number six and also be turning uh, to Matthew chapter number 27 Nehemiah chapter number six and also Matthew chapter number 27 uh, here this evening hallelujah and we'll see what the word of the Lord says I want to read a few verses of scripture from each of these chapters one uh, from the Old Testament the other from the New Testament the Bible states this in Nehemiah chapter number six in verse number one starting it says now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Jeshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates that Sanballat and Jeshem sent unto me saying come let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono but they thought it to do me mischief and I sent messengers unto them saying I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. If we may tonight, go then to Matthew chapter 27 in the New Testament. Amen. And read a few verses of scripture there, starting with verse 39 of chapter 27 of the book of Matthew. The Bible states these words, And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads. And saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him and with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now. If he will have him, for he said, I am the son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. Amen. From these Old Testament and New Testament scriptures here this evening, I want to preach a very simple message and concept tonight, and that is this. Don't stop until it's finished. Don't stop until it's finished hallelujah will you help me right now we need heaven to help us in the remainder of this service father god i'm asking oh lord tonight that you would anoint each and every individual setting under the sound of my voice i pray oh god today you would anoint my mind anoint my words god let them not be mine but let them be yours i pray oh god today god find a sure lord jesus place God, in the lives of the people that are gathered here tonight, God, that they would be encouraged, that they would be instructed, God, that we would be helped, God, by your word. We'll give you the glory and the honor, God, for what you accomplish. Master, in this place, in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Shake a neighbor's hand beside you before you're seated. Look at your neighbor and tell them, don't stop 
until it's finished. Don't stop until it's finished. There is a word today. It's been a part of uh, the vocabulary of humanity and societies for several years, but it is fading away. Seems like an old archaic word that uh, seldom is spent in much time upon, and that is the word discipline. Discipline. Uh, it was known in our great-grandparents and in our grandparents, but as one generation passes on and another one comes up on the scene, this concept and idea of discipline is a hard commodity to find. Seeing something through to completion. Uh, having the gumption, if we could call it that, uh, to start something, endure, and continue with it until it's come to it's finishing the old testament character by the name of solomon practiced very well the art of discipline in his own life scripture records for us concerning his uh, endeavor or even responsibility placed upon his life to build a house unto the Lord God, the great temple of Solomon. We can read at different occurrences in scripture where the Bible plainly says that Solomon began to build or he begun to build the house of the Lord. And it would be several chapters which would represent years later that the Bible would speak that Solomon finished the temple of God. And that did not take place in his life or time without this word called discipline he just had to stick to it he had to just remain going whenever the tough got going he just had to remember just to pull up his britches so to speak tighten his belt a little bit roll up his sleeves and still continue to do the work that he was doing now it is one thing to display discipline in your life with any task it's a great thing to see it to completion and there is a certain amount of applause that should be given to a person that can see something from start to finish uh, but I would dare to say there is another level of applause and appreciation for somebody that has the discipline to see something from start to finish when everything in between doesn't necessarily go the way that it needs to go. Whenever there are obstacles and difficulties that present themselves that makes the task a little bit more difficult. It's just not the run of the meal of scenario. And that was the type of discipline that we see displayed in the Old Testament story of Nehemiah and his desire, his burden, might we even say, to go back to Jerusalem, a city that is sitting in rubble and ruins, burned with fire, has been destitute for several years, above a hundred years now. It has been destitute. It's sitting there with its walls flat. Its gates are ajar. And because he heard of the condition of this city, that the Bible says, he says, it's the place of my father's sepulchers. Generations before me have a memory of this place and I would desire to go back and rebuild the walls and rebuild the gates and put my hand if you will to the task but his idea of starting that of being involved in that was not without 
opposition. Whenever he would first arrive at Jerusalem, maybe it was maybe what he seen there was a little bit more than the word that he had received about its condition. The Bible speaks that in that nighttime he took his trip around about the city and he began to look at all of the ruins and everything that his mom and dad perhaps had told him of. Now he could even barely make out where some of those places were because they're just lying in ruins and he sees the gates and the walls that are fallen flat but he has a a spirit that says I'm going to see this thing to completion somewhere along the line one day these walls are going to stand firm again and the gates are going to be right amen again inside of these walls but not without some difficulty we read in the scripture that he met with different levels of difficulty in this task and he had to execute the discipline that he had in his life to see it until the end we read in scripture at one point in time the people that he had as part of his crew for rebuilding the walls and the gates and as it is when you get people together particularly that work together it would be great if you always got along with each other But you set any group of people in a working environment day in and day out and somewhere along the line, trouble is going to crop up among the employees. There's going to be this one that don't quite like that one and this one isn't holding up their end of the deal and they're not pulling their weight. And what Nehemiah was dealing with among his crew was a group of people that at times did not always get along. But he somehow had to rein them in and say, we have a task here. I didn't start this thing unless I was going to see it to completion. So we're going to have to put aside our differences and all of our preconceived notions about one another because I'm disciplined I I feel sure we can see this thing to completion not only that I believe it is in Nehemiah 4 the Bible speaks that they are at the halfway mark in rebuilding the wall and there is a spirit of discouragement that comes upon even him and his people they're halfway through they're not where they need to be but they're not where they used to be either and discouragement fell upon the people but Nehemiah wasn't going to allow discouragement the bump in the road to deter and sidetrack and derail what he had intentioned in his spirit to see this thing to completion. He says, I've already done, we've already done half of the work and there's just another half more and I can't allow, I can't throw in the towel at this stage. I I can't give up right now in the midst of this because I told the king we're going to go there and you won't see my face again until this thing's finished. But then what we read of in Nehemiah chapter number 6 perhaps surpasses all others. Because the Bible states now there is not internal conflict that's going on among his crew. It's not, it's not highlighting that. It's not highlighting the self-imposed spirits of discouragement and disappointment that's coming upon the group. But now they are dealing with some outside foe, 
outside forces that are intimidating Nehemiah and intimidating his workers and the plea to Nehemiah you gotta understand where they are in the process of the work where they are right now in the process of the work when the outside foe come is that they are on the very brink of finishing the wall and having the gates in their proper place in other words those 52 days that it took to build the wall they are coming to a close in other words it's almost finished it's almost completed and it's at this stage in the game that the voices of Sanballat and Tobiah and Jessam they rear their heads and they begin to bring some discouragement and some heartache to Nehemiah and those that are working upon the wall. I'm here to tell you this evening that the devil will always show up whenever the scene is just about over. Whenever you're about ready to reach another level and you about went your other mind the enemy will always show up with a spirit of an antagonizer against your soul. The apostle Paul spoke of it in New Testament scripture of Romans chapter number 7. He said there is a war that's going on in my members. He said I find in a law that when I would do good, he said evil is present with me. I'm here to tell somebody tonight, don't you think for a moment that if you ever set out to do anything for God, amen, in your walk with God, that you won't meet with opposition when you're about at the precipice of finishing that thing, when you're right there at the cliff of going over and saying, hey, this thing's finished, this thing is accomplished, this thing is done. Because there's nothing that troubles our adversary any more than for somebody to carry through on good intentions. Someone say amen. <laughs> and so he's, he's doing the work of the wall. He's not just starting now. He's near completion. He's met with dejection. He's met with discouragement along the way. He's met with internal conflict along the way. But now the adversary is near him, antagonizing him at his point of completion. See, success is just a few more steps away from where he presently is. A victory is apparent. It's right just over the horizon. Amen. And he's just trying to get in and somehow mess up the completion of the matter. Someone say amen. And the voice has come. He says, we built the wall. Word got out. This is really what happened in verse number one. He said they heard that I'd built the wall. At this stage, the only thing that's left is hanging a few gates, hanging a few doors. He said word got out. Not only are the workers privy to the information that we're, only, we're almost finished, he says, but our enemies are privy to the information that we're almost finished. I'm here to tell you, folks, it's time to buck up. It's time to buck up because as a church, as we've been studying over several weeks, have we been bringing to our minds an accountability for the church that this thing is 
almost finished. But not only that, our adversary knows this thing is almost finished. And so he's going to bring every antagonistic spirit, every spirit that he can against the church and the people because we're about ready to turn a corner here. Somewhat say amen to discourage and to somehow thwart your process to completion. When the enemies, when the enemies heard about this, the voices of Sambala and Tobiah and Jeshem, they go find Nehemiah. Nehemiah is not in his summer palace right now. Nehemiah is not back home with the king because it's almost done. But Nehemiah is still diligently involved in the work because I set out to do something and I'm not going to stop until it's finished. And so, let me tell you, whenever it's getting close to the finishing, the final capstone, if you will, of completion for whatever you're doing for God, the enemy knows where to find you. He's going to find you in the work that you so diligently sold yourself out to. We don't need anybody missing in action right now. We don't need anybody that's without excuse right now. Honey, if the enemy's going to find me anywhere, help him to find me diligent about the Father's business because I'm going to complete this thing. I do not plan on stopping until it's finished. So they come. These are the words. It's sent unto Nehemiah. Here's their play. Nehemiah. <laughs> Looking good, buddy. Yeah, right. Quite a thing you got going on here. We applaud your crew, man. But why don't you come down? Off the wall. Why don't you take a break? Why don't you take a little reprieve? You've been working for 50 some odd days. And why don't you meet with us together over at a village in the plain of Ono? And let me tell you, it was Ono. The place they wanted him, them, him to go was his response. Oh, no. Why don't you come down? You've been giving yourself to this diligently. I mean, you've been working real hard. I know it's about done and complete. Why don't you just take a rest right now and come down and talk to us? Now, I don't know about anybody else out here, but whenever I get myself involved in a project, number one, there's usually not a whole lot of time to do the project anyway because time is a very precious commodity. And so whenever I get involved in a project, I want to get involved, I want to get in it, I want to get through it, and I want to get done. And there's times, Brother Terry McGee, whenever I'm getting close to completion, I am refusing meals, I am refusing sleep, why? Because the end is inside. Honey could say, oh dear, you really need to come and eat. I said, hon, I can eat. I just got one more coat to put on. Or I, I just got to cut a few more pieces of trim. I just need to lay one more bead of caulking here. I, I can't stop. This thing is almost done. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> you know, I saying you guys want to go to lunch? You want to go over here to a plane somewhere? You want to talk? You want to get together? He says, hey, I just got a few more gates to hang around here. I've been around here for a few days and my crew's been working hard. I just got a few more gates to hang around here. And he says, I hate to tell you. He says, but I'm doing a great work. And he says, I cannot come down. Listen to me. He's doing a great work. Rebuilding the wall. Lines of defense. Fortified walls of protection. From my understanding, he had told the Jews one of every ten families had to move back into Jerusalem. So ten percent of the Jews had to move back inside the walls. If you'll remember from the book of Nehemiah, he had each man, each family working where their house was along the perimeter of that wall because he knew they were going to do good work because that's where their dwelling was. And so they're doing the best work they can. But I got to tell you today that what Nehemiah had to work with was not skilled laborers. What Nehemiah had to work with were not the high echelon of craftsmen of his day. As a matter of fact, archaeologists say of some of the wall that they have rediscovered that there are courses of stone that kind of jut out and jut in. Because they weren't necessarily craftsmen concerning building walls. And yet Nehemiah speaks of that wall that may have jutted a little in and a little out along the way. Mortar a little thicker and thinner in places. Wasn't con continuous all the way through. And Nehemiah calls back to these boys, I'm doing a great work. Not maybe real appealing, if you will, to the eye. Uh, the modern craftsman might look at it with shame and think, man, that's really not no workmanship whatsoever. But Nehemiah, he says, the great work that we're doing here, the building of the wall, it's not in how it looks, but it's in the purpose it's going to serve. His plea was, so since I'm doing this great work, he says, I can't come down. Whenever I left the palace and I spoke to the king, I asked the king if I could go. He knew I was going to go. And I knew whenever I went, it was going to be a selfless act of mine to involve myself in the work. Morning and night and all throughout the day, I knew the rigors of the work was going to be hard. I knew without doubt probably opposition was going to come. I knew at times expenses were going to be high and materials were going to be low. But I've given myself to this thing. I've given myself to this work and I can not come down. If I can skip forward thousands of years later in time, there was a similar plea that came from a cross as those that walked by reviled the Lord and shook their heads at him and said, hey, you said that you would destroy the temple and in three days you would rear it up. They understood him to be talking about the literal temple but he was talking about the temple of his body. They said, if you thought you could do that, why don't you save yourself and come down from the cross but I can hear the Lord to this very purpose I showed up on earth I knew when I came down it was going to be a lot of work and require a lot of time of me and I can't come down because I'm doing a great work 
And by the natural eye of every human, it was not appealing to the natural eye. The blood was not appealing. The nails were not appealing. The crown of thorns and a mangled back, none of that is appealing. But the great work that Christ was doing was not to be a showman before men, but it served an ultimate great purpose. That was the great work. Their plea to Jesus was, save yourself. You've saved others. Save yourself. He says, my involvement in the work, I understood to be a selfless act. I'm not worried about saving myself. Nehemiah understood out of everybody that could have took the burden and responsibility about 140 years, Jerusalem stayed with dilapidated walls. But Nehemiah says, I'm going back to daddy's sepulchers there. I'm going to rebuild it. I know it's going to mean I'm not going to be in the presence of the king serving wine in his cup. Amen. For many days. I understand this is a selfless act. But this is what I got to do from start to finish. And the question then that falls from Nehemiah's lips to those that are trying to persuade him is this. He said, I cannot come down in verse 3. He says, why? This is the question. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Listen to me. You know what Nehemiah was saying in his question? This is basically it. He says, if I come down, the work stops. If I come down, the work stops. It's left unfinished. If I come down, it pauses right here. If I come down, there's a wall with holes in it because no gates are hung. If I stop, it doesn't get finished. His plea harmonized with the plea of the New Testament why Jesus said, and they had come on down and he said, no, 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 in so many words. I can't come down because if I come down at this strategic point in time, I'm about ready to turn a corner here. This thing is just about over here. But if I come down at this strategic spot in time, it goes unfinished. If I stop right here and get off the cross, he says there's some remission of sins that won't be had. There's my spirit that won't be able to indwell. If I stop right here, there's going to be some things left and undone. And that's not what the picture was in the mind of God when I came. And I came to do the work of him that, that sent me. And I cannot stop. Someone say amen. Amen. Jesus didn't come down prematurely. Didn't come down prematurely. We know the many prophecies of Old Testament scripture that were fulfilled 
with his death, his burial and resurrection, many that were fulfilled. But he did not come down prematurely. Because before they ever checked to see if he was still alive, before they ever plunged the spear through his side where blood and water came out and no bone was broken his body as the psalmist David said it would be. Whenever they checked all that, before all of that, somewhere around the ninth hour, he gave up a ghost and one of the seven last sayings of Jesus from the cross was this, it is finished. The body isn't taken down until the job was completed. No, 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 no. Someone say amen. It didn't happen before then. If it happened before then, it would have never been finished. If it happened before then, if they tried to put him in a tomb or take him down before then, it would never been completed. It would never been the end. It would always be in paused in process. But because it was finished, then he could come down. And so let me state emphatically tonight, the only time you come down is when the work is done. Nehemiah tells those guys, I can't come down. I'm doing. That's a in process. That's an active verb that's taking place right now at the moment. I'm doing a great work. You boys want to talk after this is done, that's fine. But I can't afford coming down right now because it's not finished yet. Someone say yes. Yes. Don't stop until it is finished. We read of the scripture. Oh, God. A little boy named David has been regulated to the pasture of his father to keep sheep. Very diligent over doing so. A lion came at one time, a bear came at one time, and he fought for the sake of the food, for the sake of the sheep. That was his responsibility. That was his duty. And he took it with the greatest and utmost of respect because he was going to make sure he did not have to report any loss to daddy over what was under his care. In other words, David says, this is a job that's been given to me, and I'm going to finish well with it. And yet by the command of his father, he's told on a certain day when the Israelites and the Philistines have been in war and battled, the Bible says, for 40 days they have each compassed their own mountains on either side of the valley of Elah. And dad says, I want you to go check on your brethren. 
You take some bread and you take some cheese. Hallelujah. We like to say, take them some crackers and cheese. Go on and take them some bread and take them some cheese and see how they're faring and how they're doing. And whenever he arrives and he sees all the situation that's going on, amen, he's greatly troubled in his spirit. And his eldest brother, Eliab, has an idea concerning his brother, David. And Eliab cries out to David in the scripture. Notice the wording now. He says unto David, Why camest thou down hither? With whom hath thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? Eliab said, Eliab saying, Why have you come down? Now David has fought a lion. He has fought a bear. He's asking the question among the people if there is there not a cause he is so listen to me David is so determined about his victory against this giant of a Philistine named Goliath that whenever he spoke to Saul he told Saul in 1 Samuel 17 and verse 32 he said Saul let no man's heart fail because of him he said thy servant will go and fight with the Philistine. In other words, woo, David knew before he ever went to the Valley of Elah that vic- it was finished before it was finished. Eliab says, why have you came down? Well, you don't come down from a work until it's finished. He says, Saul, don't be afraid. He said, because I know I'm just a ruddy-faced lad. I know I'm just a small little boy. And by all appearances, it looks like my flimsy little skinny arms might be lacking. He said, but don't look at the appearance. Consider the purpose. They've been defying the name of the Lord my God. Do not fear. And he goes with his five smooth stones and slings the one. And that Goliath went down. Why? Because David already finished the work before he came down. Some would say yes. You don't want to come down prior to your time. Moses goes up to the mount of God in the book of Exodus 32. He's up there for a long time. But people are wondering what's happened to Moses. He'd been up there for a while. And because of a delay, they start to build their calf and do their things. But listen to me. What was happening on that mount? Come on, somebody can remember. Moses is receiving the commandments of God. Moses is receiving the pattern to the tabernacle in the wilderness. He's receiving the plan whereby the people can have access to their God. And if he came down prematurely, it would have cut off some access that the people had accessible to them because of the pattern that Moses received while he was doing the work. 
Moses couldn't come down prematurely. If I come down prematurely, it's not finished. It's not completed. I don't have all the commandments on the stone yet. I don't know where to put the altar of incense yet. I don't know where the ark of God's supposed to be and how our approach is supposed to be yet. Don't have me come down prematurely. I don't need to come down until it's finished. Someone say amen. The Bible says, I won't hold you much longer because I'm getting wore out. Bible says in Nehemiah he stated those words very plainly to them I cannot come down and as the persuasion of his adversary would be not just once but four times four times that plea was made to Nehemiah come down go to the plain of Ono and talk with us no I can't come down I'm doing a great word work Nehemiah come down Meet with us over here at the plane of oh no. I can't come down right now. I'm doing a great work. Nehemiah, have, I just thought maybe you could consider, you know, coming down over here to oh no, having to disguise. I'm sorry. I can't come down right now. I'm doing a, a great work. Listen, you need to be prepared not just to say no to your adversary once, but twice, three times, four times, no matter how many times. Honey, you say no as long as there's still work to be done. There's been too many people acquiesced. Too many people have said, okay, we'll come down. And they left the work unfinished. But I'm looking at a group of people here tonight that I believe have enough tenacity in their spirit, enough gumption in their soul that says, Pastor McGee, I don't care what's going on. There's a work that I committed to around here. There's a purpose that I committed to around here. And all of my courses of stone may not be even, but they're serving a great purpose. And I can't come down. I can't stop. I can't throw in the towel. I can't give up because we're doing a great work. If you'll stand with me. Come down, Jesus. You're king of Israel. Come down from the cross. We'll believe you. If you'll come down, let me tell you, those are words of deception that we're speaking that said, we'll believe you if you'll come down. You know why they're feeding that deception and spewing those words? Because they understand the connection. If he comes down, the work stops. And our belief isn't going to be any more or any less. But it's just a means to get the work stopped. Sam Ballant and Tobiah, listen folks, what I read of them in scripture, they were not really concerned for a rendezvous at Oh No. It's not like they were having fish and chips and a side of Coke. And they really had some things they wanted to discuss. No, what their main concern was, can we somehow devise and deceive in such a way that he'll come down? Because if we get him down, the work stops. And the tactic has not changed for the church and for us individually. I know he speaks sweet words and he has things that makes really good sense sometimes. But the real, real undercurrent of everything he says is this. If I get you to come down, the work's on pause. The work stops. Folks, I don't want you seeing me climbing down until I've swung the hammer for the last time. 
until the last door is hung in the wall. And let me tell you, a lot personally what happens around here concerning me, it is not always high appealing like right now. Doesn't this look like an awful sorry sap of a mess up here? But let me tell you something. It's not very appealing, sweat dripping all over your body and nose. And you know, people who got sweaty conditions, they try to hide it. And I just kind of flaunt it, you know. <laughs> not very appealing. But I'm here to tell you this. I feel like I'm doing a great work. Why? Because it's serving a great purpose. And somebody needs to bring that into your spirit tonight. That what you're involved with, what you are part of, is serving a great purpose. So the mandate from God tonight is this. Don't stop till it's finished. Don't stop until it is finished. If we can raise our hands right now unto the Lord. So brother and sister Mason. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.